Hello, everybody. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance, my personal independent life and disability insurance agent. We will talk more about Pearson Rabbits later in this episode. Now, let's get into it. Today is Mike's final case. There will be no mercy. Unlike ABEM, this case is actually designed to make him fail. To be very clear, he's not going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> How excited are you, Mike, for today's case? Scale of 1 to 10. I'm hoping that you say, like, 11. Uh, negative, negative 7, negative 8. I'm kind of nervous <laughs> to, to get fully roasted in front of thousands of listeners but let's do it <laughs> now i will say it is in theory doable it's a difficult case it i think pulls together a few th- a few things that maybe we'll see if you can pull out or not i the originally i'm going to give a little background so there's originally going to be a triple case but since they don't do triple cases that's gone so i just have to make a really difficult single case so um anyways it's going to be this is going to be a good time man this is going to be a good time uh <laughs> Mike will have a strict 15 minutes to complete the full case or I'm going to cut him off. He does not know what the case is ahead of time. If Mike hits all the critical actions that I have listed out beforehand, he wins. And if he doesn't, or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABM cases that I had. They're not real patients. Dr. Estefan, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it and let me know when you are ready. I am ready. By the way, how much fun did you have making this doomsday case? It must have been really fun. Well, the triple, there is originally going to be a real, like a real doomsday case with three patients because then you can go super hardcore. This is, you know, a 15 minute case that has to be in theory passable. So it's, it was, it was creative. It's good. We'll see. You might, you might, you might knock it out of the park. I don't know. It depends. It just depends, man. I guess we'll see if you're ready to be a doctor. No, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> no pressure. Oh, man. Uh, before we begin, do you have any questions? No questions. Let's let's get on with the slaughtering. All right. Dr. Estefan, you are working at Clerkship General when you get a call from EMS. Speaking quickly and you hear the sirens in the background, they are bringing you a seven-year-old male from a bus accident. Scalp laceration, unable to stop the bleeding two minutes out. Okay, um, let's let's go to the trauma bay. Get the entire team. Am I working at a trauma center? Do we do we call the trauma team? Where am I at? Oh come on, clerkship general is <laughs> rural. One nurse. <laughs> it's a single nurse. Do I do I at least get a single tag? nurse facility? <laughs> All right. One phone. Right. Questionable service. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's just all go to the trauma bay. Get everyone, everyone we have in the bay, all two people. All right, you and the nurse go to the trauma bay. Um, you're both you both arrived. She's uh, brushing off some of the equipment, and uh, EMS comes in. Okay, uh, what do we got? Um, you see a seven year old male. He is crying. EMS is holding bloody bandages to his head. Uh, whole thing's a little bit chaotic the nurse runs out of the room <laughs> the nurse runs out of the room uh can i get a initial set of vitals please sure so uh you and ems work on getting some vitals together heart rate uh 136 respiratory rate 22 blood pressure of 80 over 35 o2 saturation of 100 percent. and do we have a temp 98 98 
Okay, can I get the story from EMS? Sure. So the patient was riding on a bus with approximately 30 other people going to camp when a semi-truck swerved with a head-on collision into the bus. There's five people dead, including the driver. Several passengers are in serious condition. They're going, they're getting spread out between local hospitals. And another five patients are approximately 15 minutes out from your hospital to be seen by you and the nurse. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, is the patient in a seat collar? Uh, nope. Let's place a seat collar, please. Um, and let's tra- once the seat collar is placed, let's transfer the patient to the bed. Patient's transferred to the bed. Great. Um, let's go through our ATLS. So, um, actually, do we know anything? Are parents around? Do we know anything else about this kid? Um, the parents are not around. Okay. Um, all right. You said kid is crying spontaneously. Is the kid saying any words? He's going, wham, my head. No, he's seven. More of a earthy scream. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Airway intact. Uh, does he have bilateral breath sounds? Yes. Okay. Um, does he have any, let's cut off all the clothes, any uh, major life-threatening bleeding anywhere that we see? Uh, just the bloody bandages on the head. On the on the head okay we'll look at that in a minute um symmetric pulses yep great um moving all four extremities yep decent strength yeah all right let's uh roll with spinal precautions any step-offs deformities rectal tone normal great um and we exposed okay uh general appearance of the kid um he's screaming he's covered in blood Okay. Any obvious deformities, missing limbs, etc. Um, no, like obvious deformities. Cool. Um, let's start head to toe. Um, any signs of depressed skull fracture? No. Uh, raccoon eyes, battle sign, hemotympanum. No. Nasal septal hematoma. No. Great. Um, tell me about the scalp laceration. Three centimeters linear on the uh, left parietal scalp. Active bleeding. All right, let's uh, let's apply a compressive bandage um, for now. Um, let's see. Uh, we said no spine tenderness, no C-spine tenderness under the collar. Correct. Correct. Great. Um, chest wall. Any tenderness to palpation? Nope. Symmetric chest movement. Yep. Belly soft, non-tender. Correct. Great. Any uh, obvious other lacerations anywhere? No other lacerations. Pelvis stable? Yep. Great. Um, all right. So in summary, we have a seven-year-old um, with a large uh, parietal hematoma with a severe mechanism. Um, so let's start two large bore. IVs as large as we can get in this kid, um, just due to mechanism. Um, let us draw a rainbow on him. Notably, we'll get a CBC, a type and screen, coags, um, CMP, you know, all the trauma labs, all the trauma labs, a light pace, LFTs, um, all that stuff. Um, we will, we can give uh, one mic per kilogram of fentanyl for analgesia. Um, we can give a 10 cc per kilogram bolus and 
let's give a Tdap, and this kid's gonna get a pan scan, trauma scan. <clears throat> um, who's starting the IV? Um, <laughs> uh, the nurse. Uh, she's yeah, she left the room. Describe okay. the procedure. Back. Describe the procedure. <laughs> okay. Um, this we're, is fun. We're... <laughs> all right. Uh, so we can uh, we can look for I guess a hand IV. Um, let's let's get a let's get a light. Let's get a flashlight. Some kind of uh, illuminating source and tie right. a tourniquet at the wrist and uh, use a flashlight looking for a uh, nice juicy hand IV. Sure. Yeah, you got you got two large boy IVs. Great job, Doc. All right. All right. <laughs> um okay. Um let's let's take a better look at this uh scalp laceration. So did it how did it do with direct pressure? Soaked through. Soaked through. All right. Um let's let's get some uh TXA. Um we can oh god, I don't even know the IV dose, but for a kid, I know it's one gram in adults, but um do we have a pharmacist? Uh, no, it's all right. Um, you had, it, it was pre-filled in the syringe. I honestly, the doctor doesn't, the other doctor, your, your tester doesn't know the dose in kids either. <laughs> okay. And then, um, simultaneously we can, uh, get some Surgicel. We can, uh, let's try, yeah, let's try some Surgicel on that bad boy. TXA has been given. Surgicel is applied. Okay. Uh, let's reassess vitals and then, um check the wound again all right so vitals are temperature still 98 heart rate is 140 respiratory rate is 24 blood pressure is 79 over 35 o2 saturation is 100 percent. okay oh yeah and let's get a chest x-ray and we'll do a pelvis x-ray sure so the chest and pelvis x-ray are normal and as far as the labs um, nothing on the, the lipase is normal. The LFTs are normal. The type and screen has been sent and is, is completed. Um, the metabolic panel is normal. The CBC has a hemoglobin of seven platelets, 250, um, white blood cell count of nine. The PT is 11.5 seconds which is normal, and the APTT is 55.2 seconds. Which sounds very abnormal. Um, lovely. Uh, well, this kid needs some blood. Um, let's... Uh, I guess we can start with... Oh, God. It's, I, I know, like, a single dose of blood in a kid is like 10 cc's per kilogram up to a single unit um how much does the kid weigh um i forgot to write it down i'm trying to remember seven years old let me see let me see let me see 28 kilos there we go i found it 28 kilograms okay that's uh that's almost that's almost up to a unit let's give him two units of PRBCs and um oh god is this a hemophiliac is this a hemophiliac um it probably is it probably is uh do we have factor replacement on site 
Surprisingly, you do. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I don't know if it's uh, hemophilia A or B. Uh, do we, can I speak to a hematologist? Can we call hematologist yeah, at the, no, no, no. the There's no power. Line? The bus hit the power of the telephone line thing. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So we're giving blood. Um, this is bad. This is... I'm just I'm just going with a wild guess here. We're just going for it. Hemophilia A, because it's <laughs> wild guess. Okay. It's it, it's the uh, it's way more common than he- hemophilia B. So we're gonna need some factor eight. Um, we'll call it life threatening bleeding. We'll say because it's hemoglobin is seven. Um, so if I recall correctly, factor eight is two percent per unit per kilogram. Um, so he would need 50 units per kilogram, whatever 50 times 28 is. Are you going to make me do math? Um, 50 times 28. Uh, no, because I already wrote it down. 1,400 units. Yeah, 1,400 units. Let's give 1,400 units of uh, factor 8, please. All right. Administered. Okay. Um, and if this is hemophilia... A, I think Desmopressin has a role as well. Um, do we have Desmopressin on site? Nope. Okay. All right. Then we're not given that. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's reevaluate vitals and the the scalp wound. Um, the scalp wound has stopped bleeding. Vital signs are after the blood transfusion, temp 98, heart rate 105, respiratory rate 18, blood pressure 100 over 50, O2 saturation 100%. Amazing. Can we get this uh, pan scan? Um, sure. You get a pan scan, CT head, cervical spine, chest, abdomen, pelvis, thoracic spine, lumbar spine. Normal. Excellent. Let's uh, transfer him to a trauma center. All right. Pedi- pediatric can... trauma center. Can I torment you further? How much time do we have? Oh, man. The phones don't work yet. <laughs> phones don't work yet. Oh, no. Okay. Um I, I guess we can uh, we can recheck coags and a hemoglobin. Um, they are they are much better. They are much better. Great. Um, shoot. All right. What am I missing? Uh, we gave factor replacement. We transfused the kid. I gave him a tetanus shot. Um, the bleeding has stopped. I guess I could I could do a lac repair if we're waiting. Okay, you finished the lac repair. Good. Looks real Great. nice. Great, beautiful. Okay. Um let's see. Uh let's let's apply bacitrace into it. <laughs> applied. Pull, pull it. Okay. The nurse uh, came back, applied some bacitracin. Oh, thank God she's yeah. here. She is. Yeah, she here. came back. She just it really has a thing against blood. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, what else what else am I missing? There were no acute injuries. Uh is the kid's pain controlled? Well controlled. Okay. Do we do we figure out who parents are? Um, no, they're not coming. I don't know, dude. I don't know. <laughs> How's the kid feel? Is he talking? Uh, yeah, he's talking. He's going, oh, thanks, Doc. My bleeding stopped. That's good. <laughs> um, but my elbow oh. hurts. Oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, what? 
What uh, what elbow? Which elbow? The left. All right, X-ray. Let's palpate all extremities. I guess I didn't do that. Um, right extremity, uh, right upper extremity is good. Bilateral lower extremity is good. Left elbow is tender. Okay, there's a posterior fat pad. Um, that's a supercondylar. Um, let's let's splint in a uh, I guess a posterior long arm would be my best that guess. ends your case right on 15 minutes Ooh, nice that was a quick posterior you interpreted that x-ray fast <laughs> <laughs> strong work all right all right all right good job okay let's see here let's see how we did we'll talk about that in a second uh before we go through all of the fun nuances of this case let's talk about our sponsor for the month pearson rabbits insurance stephanie pearson at pearson rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent I bought disability insurance as a resident. I firmly, it's my opinion that you should be buying disability insurance as a resident as well, ideally from a non-captive independent agent. I have listed on numerous occasions on the show why I think you should be buying disability insurance early, discounts, early medical exam, protection against disability. You just need to find an agent that you can trust, that knows what they're doing. I don't know, like maybe a doctor who is at the top of her game and then went through it herself. I have met Stephanie Pearson in person. I've met her husband. I've talked with numerous other employees uh, with Pearson Rabbits at this point. I really, really like them. I think they're legit. I don't know what the secret sauce is of why I like them so much, but I do. And that's why I'm willing to advertise for them. I can't recommend Pearson Rabbits highly enough. Go to www.pearsonrabbits.com. Fill out their contact form. Set up a phone meeting to figure this stuff out. Now back to our case. All right, Mike, how do you think you did? Uh... If the kid had hemophilia A, I think I did good. If they had hemophilia B, I think I failed the case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if you had asked the kid, he could have just told you. But uh, he's, you know, he's a little freaked out. He's freaked out. For everyone that's listening, so there's this... We Mike and I had always talked, even when we first started this as a med student. I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but... Um, different versions of the finale of this case in there is, or of this whole little uh, series as he's gone through residency with one of them being like, um, <clears throat> like what's it called? Mike, when you do like level one, level two, and then like the bosses just keep getting progressively more difficult until you, you know, something like that where you just keep doing progressively difficult cases until you like pass out from fatigue, you know, <laughs> redoing some of your worst moments. And, you know, I thought kind of maybe about doing that. We've talked about in the past doing like a hemophiliac bus crash. They were all headed to hemophilia camp. I don't know if you remember this conversation, but that was what the bus crash was. Um, uh, so maybe that was planted in the back of your head somewhere from when you were a med student. But um, I thought you did a good job overall. The um, you well, tell me what you think you did well, and tell me what you think you could have done better. Let's start with what I think I could have done better. I think I could have been more thorough with my trauma exam. You know, I did. Look at extremities. I did not palpate extremities. I think I palpated everything else but the extremities. So I, I missed that on my secondary survey. Um, and in my mind, just going through things quickly, I was like, oh, no deformities. I'm good here. But, you know, in reality, we touch we touch every bone in the body during a trauma survey. Um, the other thing I think that I was probably a little off um, I'm not too acquainted with pediatric blood pressures off the top of my head. I always have to look this stuff up whenever we get one. Um, in fact, I walk around on shift with a card that tells me range of normals per age. Um, and obviously did not have that card today. So I am presuming 80 over 35 for a seven-year-old is considered hypotensive. And in the setting of, you know, a very severe 
traumatic mechanism, um, blood should have been ordered right up front, um, uncross-matched blood, you know. Um, other than that, you know, again, if this kid had hemophilia A, um, I think I did the right thing, and we can talk about why I remember this number. Um, but, yeah, other than that, those are my thoughts. What do you think you did well? Uh, I think I addressed the small things. I gave him a tetanus shot. I controlled pain. Um, I treated it as a trauma. Um, I got IV access. I, I, that I would, did get IV. How, did you like that? <laughs> you won't have to do that. On the, I don't think you'll have to do that on the actual board. I think that's a funny one, though. <laughs> oh, God. That's like one of my worst nightmares in real life. Oh, I know, is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, it just gives me the chills just thinking I'm trying to start an IV myself. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'll be honest. Like, I, I consider myself very good at ultrasound-guided IVs. I, I haven't had a patient I haven't been able to, to cannulate, but... Um, but a pediatric... A pediatric, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, exactly. B- blind like IVs worst in a nightmare. kid is my worst We were talking nightmare, about yes. your PTSD and your nightmares yesterday for when you become an, <laughs> when you start your attending job. That's one of them. <laughs> you, could say, you could save little Johnny's life if only you could cannulate the hand. But you can't, though, <laughs> can you? No. The veins are too small. <laughs> I've always told myself, can, can always do an IO and uh, can always do a fem stick if I just need blood, you know? Isn't that funny? Like, we can't start an IV, but we'll be like, we'll do an IO or a central line. I'll do a central line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a throwback. So you did a great job getting the IV. That was one of the things that was phenomenal. Um, no, you, you went right down to ATLS. You did great on your primary survey, and you did a good job addressing small things. You got the cervical collar. You treated pain. You updated tetanus. Um, you did wound care and things like that. And you did end up giving some blood. Um, so I thought those were all, I was writing down several things that I thought you did really well. Um, the, in addition to a somewhat soft secondary survey, um, cause you, like up until you notice how you had time left, you like, you finished your primary, you got the bleeding, you know, all that stuff. And then you had this time, but you never really did like the full secondary survey. Part of that too, um, don't forget in the secondary survey kind of range of things is doing like your medical history. So you never asked him like medical problems, allergies, um, anything like that. Like he is seven. He could have, I would have given it to you if you had asked. Um, <clears throat> so those are the two things that I would say you could have done a little bit better. As far as peds vitals, hard to remember. I, I don't either, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's difficult. Um, I use an app called PD stat and I think it was a paid app, but it's well worth its money because you can, on the, you basically open the app and on the first screen, there's the Braslow color. If you have a Braslow tape, there's the weight in pounds or kilograms, or there's age. And I think there's another, there might be another one on there too, but you can basically pick any of those to any information you have on the kid is basically enough to, for them. Like if you pick. The Braslow color, they can estimate the weight. If you have the weight, they can estimate, you know, the age. You know, all, if you have the age, they'll give you an estimated weight on an average kid. And then it has all of the things. Like, uh, these are your treatments for croup. This is your blood transfusion. You know, so all of these, like, doses and stuff are built right into the app. And I use it um, frequently. And it's between that and the Braslow tape, like, the actual physical Braslow tape in the apartment. That's why kids don't scare me as much. As they could, anyways. They're always scary. I, I will endorse PD stat 
as well. I I haven't used it for vitals just because I carry around that card, but 100% for medications and other things. It's a great app and it is paid. Yes. But worth yeah, it. And well it's, worth it. It's well worth it. Um, so uh, that was my only part of that. But I think overall, you actually did a, a pretty good job. It's a kind of a fun case, you know. It's We had to make it somewhat reasonable. I do think you could potentially have a hemophilia case on the boards. That seems like a reasonable thing they could do. Um, but anyways, the critical actions were doing a TLS. Um, so I thought you did good at that, like the A, B, C, D, E stuff and a little weak on the secondary survey, but you got the big things and that's, what's important. Um, stopping the bleed. So you did that, uh, the blood transfusion and the factor replacement. Um, you, you got the dosing of the factor eight, just right. Um, you could have, you know, there's other types of hemophilia for everyone that's listening. So that's where he was kind of like, how do I figure out which type of hemophilia he has if he's a kid? Um, but could have just asked him. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed I just assumed he wouldn't know. I don't know. Yeah. Bad assumption. <laughs> um and then uh the elbow fracture x-ray interpretation was on there. And you were I mean, I had to like throw you a little bit of a a little bit of help there, just being like, What yeah, okay, you need to look at the elbow. Okay. But you like then you interpreted that x-ray way faster than I would have. Like, that was like a, okay, post your fat pad, but, you know. <laughs> and I definitely had one case like that, too, on the boards, and I can't go into case details, but where I got to, like, the last, like, 30 seconds, and, like, it kind of clicked, and I said a whole bunch of stuff really fast, <laughs> and the examiner, like, smiled at me, and I, there was, like, a subconscious nod, <laughs> like, a, oh, you lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, um, mm-hmm. Was it a post your long arm? Is that what you do for these? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a posterior long arm where you can do like a double sugar tongue, maybe. I just do a posterior long arm, so I'm pretty sure that is accurate. Um, but yeah, I, I think you did a good job overall, and I think you would have passed this case. I think you would have um, maybe, it depends on how merciful the examiner was on the elbow. Um, you maybe would have lost some points there, but I think you would have probably passed it. So I think overall, like, you know, if I'm thinking of the doctor, I would want treating my kid if they came in after a bus crash like this. Like you, you pretty much nailed it. Like it was pretty solid. So, you know, they could have figured out the the help oh, at the trauma center, I guess, or something. But, um, anyways, yeah. And then the only other thing that was interesting with the factor replacement was, um, I what I was reading is they were saying just replace it if for severe mechanism of injury, regardless of even if you before tests are back or anything. Like, cause he could have had a head bleed or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And you just do a full replacement with that kind of before you get tests back. I thought that was interesting. Um, a lot of places endorse that. So any other final thoughts or comments, Mike? Um, I will say, I think I'm going to give some credit to where I'm recording this episode. I am in my girlfriend's office right now, and she is a pediatrician, um, a pediatric gastroenterologist. And I think I'm harnessing some of her pediatric knowledge by uh, recording here. (laughs) Um, Otherwise, uh, the only thing I'll say is uh, this this, uh, episode was uh, stupid luck because... which. You know, seems to be a theme. A lot of these like rare cases, I just so happened to be reading about it like a couple weeks prior. But uh, a couple months ago, there was a not to you know 
talk about other podcasts, but MRAP is a phenomenal educational tool. And for those of you going into emergency medicine residency, I highly recommend subscribing if your program doesn't already pay for it. Um, and there was an episode on MRAP a couple months ago about a bleeding hemophiliac where, you know, they did full factor replacement and actually started the patient on a factor infusion. Um, it was from like a post-liver biopsy, massive GI bleed. Um, and those kind of cases, when they present it in that way, you know, like a specific case, everything just sticks so much better. And that's exactly where this number came from. Um, so I, I also think I recall factor nine, if it's hemophilia B, um, you have to give twice as much. Every unit per kilogram, I think, is 1%. Is that right? That is correct. Yep. Yeah. Strong work, man. Thanks, man. So this month's mid-month episode will not be a deep dive on the topic. Instead, Zach has put together a few opinion pieces on the state of emergency medicine that I think you'll all enjoy. Because of that... I'm going to do a mini deep dive on this case right here, which has been recorded a day or two after the original case recording. There are many types and subtypes of hemophilia, but today we are going to be talking about hemophilia A and hemophilia B. Hemophilia A is a deficiency of factor 8, and hemophilia B is a deficiency of factor 9. These deficiencies make you very prone to bleeding, either spontaneously or in the setting of minor trauma. On blood work, this will manifest as an elevated APTT, both in the case of hemophilia A and hemophilia B. So briefly, when you have a patient with hemophilia who is bleeding and presents to the ED, you need to determine two things. First, you need to determine what kind of hemophilia they have, and second, you need to determine the severity of bleeding. The severity is graded as either minor, moderate, or major. Minor bleeding includes superficial lacerations or minor bleeding from the oral mucosa. Moderate bleeding includes uncontrolled soft tissue bleeding, epistaxis, and hemarthrosis. Major bleeding includes any type of GI bleed, any bleeding involving the neck or throat, such as a post-tonsillectomy bleed, any bleeding around the brain or spinal cord, and any internal bleeding due to major trauma. The goal of management in the bleeding hemophiliac is to stop the bleeding. To do that, we typically have to give factor replacements, like in our case today. Importantly, if the patient brings their own factor replacement that they use at home for replacement, use that factor. It helps minimize the risk of the patient developing inhibitors, like antibodies, to factor replacements in the future. So Zach and I were just talking about dosing for factor replacement in hemophilia A versus hemophilia B. There is a rule of thumb that you need to remember. That is, for factor H replacement, meaning for hemophilia A, every one unit per kilogram of factor repletes 2% of the total factor 8 activity, whereas for factor 9 replacement, every 1 unit per kilogram of factor repletes just 1% of total factor activity. I'm going to say that one more time because this is definitely testable on your boards. 1 unit per kilogram of factor 8 
repletes 2% of total factor activity, while one unit per kilogram of factor 9 repletes 1% of total factor 9 activity. Now, the reason we have to grade the severity of bleeding is because this tells us our factor replacement goals. Bleeding that is defined as minor does not need active factor replacement. For moderate bleeding, the goal is to replete 50% of total factor activity level. This means for hemophilia A, 25 units per kilogram of factor 8 replacement, and for hemophilia B, 50 units per kilogram of factor 9 replacement. As you can probably imagine, for severe bleeding, the goal is to replete 100% of the total factor activity level. That means 50 units per kilogram of factor 8 replacement and 100 units per kilogram of factor 9 replacement. In our case today, the child had severe bleeding from a major traumatic event with a low hemoglobin. This is indicative of major bleeding, so our goal was 100% factor replacement. So he received 50 units per kilogram of factor 8. Now, just a couple side points. TXA is generally recommended for all patients with hemophilia who present with bleeding. Specifically for patients with hemophilia A who are bleeding, DDAVP is also recommended as it increases endogenous factor 8 production. Now, if your hospital does not have specific factor replacements, there are alternative options, although these do not work nearly as well. For hemophilia A, you can use cryoprecipitate or FFP. And for hemophilia B, you can use PCC. And that, my friends, concludes your brief deep dive on hemophilia. Now let's wrap this thing up and get back to the rest of the episode. Any final reflections on residency? The growth that you've had over the last, whatever it's been, three years. We remember you when you were just a wee little med student doing your, your um, whatever those were, the shelf exam. God, man. Um, I, I guess all I'll say is from time to time, that lateral canthotomy episode comes back to haunt me. Um, and I, I fear I'm going to live in infamy from that episode for the rest of my life. Um, but no, I'm, I'm excited to uh, start kind of molding my own clinical practice. You know, it's, it's a little nerve wracking that I have so much time off between residency and my new job. I mean, it's, I'm definitely enjoying it and it's, very nice, but uh, I'm sure I'm going to be rusty the first first couple of weeks. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, it's been a good ride. You're gonna do great, man. Um, everybody, send send Mike some love. Mike at emclerkship.com. Just say like, hey, thanks, Mike, for putting your. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of courage to to do this. You know, I I, I would never have had the the stones to do this myself. And so, <laughs> three years of just like getting tormented like this. Um, <laughs> I'm very I'm grateful for you, Mike. I think you did a great job. I from I just from talking to you and doing these cases, you're. Your training sounds solid. I think you're going to do very well as an attending. Um, and then we have a new a new person coming up too, Maddie Watts. She's going to be starting some yes. cases. Um, so next month I will be doing the first case with her, and Mike will be getting to get some revenge, get some revenge, especially after, I th- if I recall, I can't remember if it was me or, Watt or Maddie or both, but uh, we're throwing some shade on the, the canthotomy too. So, um, yeah, you'll have to you'll have to get your revenge, man. Oh, I will. 
I will. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks for checking this episode out, everybody. Until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.